0: Jesus, our King, our Lord, our Savior, we love you, we worship you this morning. We speak out a declaration, a confession of our faith in who you are and what you've done. God, perfect love casts out fear in this morning. We have no fear. We have the love of Christ. We have hope that anchors our soul a secure promise from a faithful God we praise you this morning Lord we love you and we worship you in this place and everybody who agreed in the church family this morning said amen 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 Amen. we'll go ahead and turn say hello to somebody say hi missed you glad you're at church and we're going to prepare to continue worship and giving this morning. Maybe may be seated. This morning, if you're given by cash or check and you need an envelope, just raise your hand and we'll get one of those to you. We have an offering plate on our back table. So on your way out this morning, you can just drop your tither offering right there. Of course, we have our online giving option available as well if you go to almjefferson.com or our app. If you don't have that, I'd encourage you to get it. And this morning, I'd like us to look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, as we prepare to give. Now, we, we talk each week about the tithe and the offering, these gifts, these sacrifices we make to God. And I just wanted to go to the place in the Word where tithing was established as a principle that God's people would regularly um, interact with, they would regularly take part with. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Of course, you've probably heard before, a tithe is that 10%. It's 10% of all the increase, all the fruit, all the produce that comes in. That first tenth is the Lord's. Here in Leviticus 27, I think just this scripture sets the precedent for tithing obviously throughout the Old Testament while the Israelites would continue interacting and sacrificing and giving to God. But I think it's something that carries over for us today living in the New Covenant as well. Because if we read this verse, verse 30, what we see is a revelation that the first 10% of all that comes of the land It says it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came and fulfilled the old covenant and brought about a new covenant. That new covenant does not change the fact that the first 10% still belongs to the Lord. Amen. So we know this, when we tithe, we are giving the Lord back what is His. And it is holy to the Lord to practice this principle of tithing so I know we talk many times about our generous cheerful heart we talk about sowing and reaping There, there are kind of many aspects to giving that we try to cover on these Sunday morning little short giving messages but I think it's important every now and then to go back to the tithe and look at where it was established and just what it means it's us giving to God what already belongs to him course we know in the New Testament we've read this many weeks that it really all belongs to him anyway he is really the one that gives all of the increase but this first 10% I'm not gonna rob God I give because it's already his and it says it is holy to the Lord so I encourage you this morning as you give your tithe you are taking part of a spiritual practice that was put in place thousands and thousands of years ago and has been ongoing all the way to today it's a good thing to tithe amen amen well let's pray and bless our tithe and our offering this morning father today we continue worshiping with our sacrifice to you we do not come to you with empty hands lord but we come with our very best we come with the first 10 percent of all the produce of the fruit of the land and of our labors lord we give to you with a cheerful heart, with love for You, because God, You first loved us. We take part in this spiritual practice, this spiritual principle of tithing, because we know it is holy to You. Lord, You are a holy God, and we are a holy set-apart people. And so today, we take part in this holy practice of tithing. We believe these things, we pray. Lord, we, we pray that You would be blessed and there would be blessing made away through this offering and tithe. Pray that your kingdom would be built and grown, that you would be pleased and have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give this morning. And because we're not going to pass the plates today, like I said, it's on the back table if you'd like to drop it on your way out. I did want to make... A special announcement today, we have someone with a birthday among us, Eliza Carlson, it is her birthday. How old are you today? 17. Well, happy birthday. Everybody want to just say happy birthday, Eliza? Happy birthday, Eliza. We love birthdays. We love our church family, so we celebrate together. And this morning, I am ready to get into the word. Are you? Amen. Well, I want to start out just with a prayer as we begin. I'm going to pray what Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, verse 18. Father, we pray this morning that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of your glory and the inheritance we as your saints receive, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And we get into the word with expectation. This morning I wanted to start by telling you a story. Um, I I have a close friend of mine. I'm not going to give out their name because I don't want anybody harassing them about this. It's pretty funny. What had happened uh, this time with my friend is um, her and her mom were going to make dinner. And the mother was out at the store. And so mom was at the store and she called and said, Hey, I was wondering if you would help me get dinner ready. Would you go ahead and put a pot of boiling water on the stove, get get the water boiling, get the get the water ready, so when I get there, we can begin, you know, making the noodles or whatever the part of the dish was, and so she goes, would you prepare this so that when I get there, we'll be ready to go, and so, you know, this this friend of mine, they say, yeah, I'll do that, they go, and they get this pot out, they prepare it, put it on the stove, get the heat turned on, and then go back to watching their show or whatever they were doing, so short time later, the mother arrives home. She comes in and smells something that doesn't doesn't smell quite right. Any mother's ever walked in and smelled something that didn't smell quite right? You think, what is going on? So my my friend, her mom, walks up into the kitchen, takes a look at the stove, and what she sees is a pot with no water in it, boiling and warping, paint stripping off the sides because it had been sitting empty on the stove for like 15 or 20 minutes. So this principle of the the pot without any water you see what was trying to happen was they were trying to get this water boiling they were trying to get it stirred up ready and prepared for something good to be done i mean you know dinner's a good thing and so they were getting ready to make dinner but it didn't work out because there was no substance in the pot no no water in the vessel Well, this morning, what we're going to talk about is releasing the overflow in our life, and what I want to encourage you with, with this little story about my friend who doesn't know how to boil water, (laughs) and now you know why I didn't tell you their name, is that we are not an empty pot, church. We are not empty. We have been given water, living water on the inside of us that is meant to overflow out of our life. And so this morning, as we get into the Word and look at releasing the overflow through us into the world, I want you to know that you're not an empty pot. Isn't that good news? That you're not an empty pot sitting on a stove, warping, having the paint stripped off you, getting messed up. We are full of the water, full of a source of God. And so this morning, why don't you look at somebody and say, I'm not an empty pot. (laughs) I'm full of living water. We're going to go to John 7, verses 37 through 39 this morning. I'm going to switch my mic over. Let's try that We're better Okay John 7 verse 37 On the last day The climax of the festival Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds Anyone who is thirsty May come to me Anyone who believes in me May come and drink For the scriptures declare Rivers of living water Will flow from his heart When he said living water He was speaking of the spirit Who would be given to everyone Believing in him But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus is talking about you and I being filled up with a different kind of water, a spiritual kind of water. I think it's interesting that in this scripture what we see is Jesus picked a very particular moment to make this announcement. It's one of the first things I I see when I'm reading this. In verse 37, it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival. You know, Jesus... In his three years of ministry on earth, he he did a lot of speaking. He did a lot of public speaking. He did a lot of private speaking as well. He made a lot of announcements. He made a lot of decrees. He explained many things about the kingdom of God. You know, I think about the Mount of Transfiguration, where he took Peter, James, and John up there, and they got to experience and hear something that no one else did. Then there were the 12, his disciples, that were regularly with him, that got poured into, discipled by Jesus himself. You know, they, they got a different level of information. They got a different level of relationship with him. Then there were, you know, the multitudes. There were uh, the people on the, the mount, the sermon on the mount. They came and listened to him. But I think it's interesting that this statement was one. He, he waited until he was in a very public format, very public place. It says, at the last day, the climax of the festival. I mean, just picture this. You're in a busy, crowded festival like Bell Tower, but even, even bigger. If you can imagine that Okay, huge festival And Jesus, he gets up, stood up, stands up, stood up He stood up and he shouted to the crowds I mean, if somebody did that, you would probably wonder why they're yelling at you I mean, you get up and you start shouting at the crowd of people I mean, whether it's someone you were planning on listening to or not You're probably going to listen when somebody stands up and starts shouting This is what Jesus did This was a large announcement It was a big deal what he was about to say. And what he said is that those who are thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. See, this wasn't a message that was meant to be limited. What we're going to talk about this morning, and we've already read it um, in verse 39, is that this living water that's on the inside of us is the Holy Spirit. The message of the Holy Spirit was not supposed to be limited to a certain few who had walked with Jesus for a long time. The message of the Holy Spirit was supposed to go out to everybody. He waited until he had the most people around him. In a moment where many would hear, and he said, there is life available. A living water that can be on the inside of you and flow out. Come and drink of me and you will receive this water. It was a very public very purposeful declaration. He also goes on and, and, and he talks about who this is for. I think it's interesting that Jesus highlights that this is for someone who's thirsty. The person who is thirsty is the one. That will receive this living water on the inside of them. I, I, I studied out a little bit that thirst, and you know we could just think naturally about being thirsty. Anybody ever been thirsty for a little while? You you wake up in the morning, you need a glass of water or a cup of coffee. You're thirsty. You get done with a five mile run. I've never run five miles. Maybe a two mile run, and you're thirsty. The people who are thirsty, if we put some other attributes to this, things that come to my mind, and, and I find studying it out, are people who are unsatisfied. People who are dry, who, who don't have the, the life, the vibrance that they would maybe need. They're hopeless, they're tired. Anybody ever want a drink when you're tired? You're exhausted. Give me some water, I'm thirsty. Desolate. These are some of the words we could use to describe the condition of a person who needs the Holy Spirit to come inside of them. You know, I think I think people don't always know they're thirsty. Have you ever known that to be true for you? You don't realize you're thirsty until all of a sudden you're like, why can't I move my mouth? Why is my tongue sticking to the roof of my mouth right now? I'm thirsty. You can go a long time needing water, becoming dehydrated, but not know you're thirsty, I think sometimes with the world what we see is people are really thirsty but they don't even know they're thirsty. Yeah. They're they're maybe being somewhat satisfied by things of the world but the thirst is never really quenched. They always need a little bit more. They're never satisfied. It's never enough and it's because they're not getting the true living water that you're meant to have. We said some weeks ago we are vessels of the Holy Spirit. We are instruments made to carry this living water through our life. Well, if you don't have that water on the inside of you, you're going to be thirsty. You're going to be dry. And even if you try to fill that with some other things, you're always going to be needing more. You'll never be satisfied until you receive this living water. And so what Jesus says here, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who recognizes their need, this dissatisfaction with other sources of satisfaction, come to me. Drink of of the Holy Spirit. Receive what I want to give you, this living water. And you will be satisfied. I think it too is amazing. And we know this about God. It's not limited to those who could pay for it. To those who, you know, in some sense may think that they had earned it. It says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink. The Holy Spirit is a gift available for all. The Holy Spirit is a gift sent because Jesus made it available. He goes on and says it's a river of living water that will flow from your heart. Living water. You know, living water is different than sitting water. You know that to be true. A river versus a puddle. You know, stagnant versus flowing. There's a big difference between these two kinds of waters. I mean, if you've ever walked down to the Raccoon River... or near any kind of river it's different being next to that than a little pond that never has water move through it's different being near a stream that's flowing than it is to be near a little puddle what are some of the differences between living water and sitting water you know I think we think about water being stagnant it's old it's dirty, it doesn't have new things coming in, it doesn't have things going out, it just sits I know I can say there, there have been moments in my life where I feel like things are just sitting, getting stagnant, getting old, getting stale. And let me tell you this. If you've ever been through a time where you feel like your relationship with God, your view of God, your experience with God is getting stale, then the answer is to get the river of living water moving through you. Because when that water, when the Holy Spirit begins to move through your life, the old things wash out and the new things come in. We talk about a life made new in Christ. I'm a new creation. Well, part of that newness is the Holy Spirit, this river bringing newness in and pushing old out. You know, a river flowing over an area is a very beneficial thing. Last week we talked about earthquakes. This week we're talking about rivers. When a river comes over an area, it deposits things that are very beneficial to that area. It puts minerals and, and, and um, you know, things that like the earth needs to grow. You know, I think there's a, a show on Discovery Channel called Gold Rush. They always go to the areas where the rivers used to flow because those rivers brought deposits of gold and laid them in this area. But it takes water moving through. It takes movement, new life coming in to deposit those good things. This is something we need in our relationship with God. I think this is where people have maybe been unsatisfied with churches. They don't have the Holy Spirit moving through. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit was moving this morning in worship. It didn't feel stale to me. I mean, if if you were worshiping and it felt stale and boring, you were doing it wrong. Okay? It's just the truth. Because the Holy Spirit was moving. And when you jump into that living water, it... it it doesn't feel like a puddle. It feels like a river. It's a totally different experience living with the, the the water, the river of living water flowing through you than it is to just get a little bit and let it sit. You know, I think, I think that's one of the things that maybe, maybe the message the church, and I'm not talking about this church, but like the church. I think if we're not preaching about how there is a movement of God that's supposed to take place in our life, if it's hey, just get Him in you and then you're good forever. Just and and praise God, salvation, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're going to heaven. But let me tell you, if that's where it stops, you're gonna be really bored. You gotta let him move through you. If church is boring, then you're not you're not in the flow, you're not in the river of living water and it's supposed to be coming out of you and if you're in a church full of people that have the holy spirit on the inside it it ought to be all around you too i mean we should come to church on sunday morning and it should just be a river moving we ought to feel god's presence just moving through this place but it comes when we have the holy spirit on the inside of us and we are overflowing where it releases all around us This is God's plan. You know, I don't know if this is true for you. I've found myself before praying and asking, God, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Let your Spirit pour out in my life, but I'm not willing to let it pour out of me. Just to be transparent with you. I've prayed that way. Where I say, God, I want to see the Holy Spirit moving in my life, but I want it moving around me. I don't want it moving through me. I want to be able to put my foot in the river when I'm, when I'm feeling that way and step out of it when I'm not. I want to be able to go to church and have these amazing spirit-moving times, but then I want to be able to step out of the church door and go back to normal life. I want to go back to my other friends. I want to go back to my job or, or whatever it might be. I, I want to be able to control the flow. I want to be able to control the way that this river of water moves through. I want to be able to control what things this move is going to change in me. Because I don't know if I'm ready to have all of this old stuff pushed out. I don't know if I'm ready to get in the move. So I want to control it a little bit. That's kind of one of the main things we're going to talk about this morning. Is letting go of the control of the move of the Spirit. Letting go of the control of the river. Because you know this, you can't control a river. If I go down south of town this afternoon and try to control the Raccoon River, I'm going to get swept up and I'm going to be a few miles down the way. You can't control a river. You know, just talking about some of the qualities as we're kind of getting in this morning of this living water. I thought back to a few years ago, my family went on a vacation to Colorado and and we went on a river raft. Anybody ever done that before? You jump in a boat and then you go over these rapids and there's water up in your face and in the boat. It's it's exciting. Living water is exciting. Living water is moving. Living water is powerful. This is what the life with God and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like. I, I mean... The Holy Spirit is not just supposed to sit in you. And when I need you, I'll call on you. It's supposed to be moving. You know, life as a Christian with the Holy Spirit, it should be exciting. I mean, every day it should be a new adventure. A a new rapid, if you want to say it that way. It's power in the Holy Spirit. And of course, as we already said, it moves things. It moves the old out and it moves new in. It moves these things that bring life into an area. It brings them into you. The old goes and the new comes. Obviously, this living water is a powerful source. I want us to look at Acts 10, 44-46. Because this powerful force, Jesus has already said this living water is the Holy Spirit. Let's look again in Acts 10 and see how this powerful force is the Holy Spirit. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening. And I'm going to stop there and let you know that what Peter was talking about, it says he was saying these things. The things that Peter was saying were redemption in Christ. I mean, if we sum it up, that's the message he was preaching. Peter was preaching and saying, in Christ, you are redeemed. In Christ, there is new life available. He was speaking to what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in and changes your life. He says, Christ's blood paid the price, and there's going to be a new life that comes along with that. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit entering you and bringing newness in. You know, a number of, well, a couple of years ago, I guess, I was explaining to someone salvation and how when we become a new creation in Christ, the old things pass away. Behold, the new have come, right? Well, how does the new come? It's the Holy Spirit he brings the new in and he pushes the old out but if all I do is say Jesus I receive you as my Lord and Savior save me from hell and that's where it stops I don't have a river moving I'm not allowing the water to flow I have contained the flow of God in my life and that's why now I'm not seeing this new life come God, why is my life the same as it was yesterday? I got saved. Why do I feel the same way today? Well, is the water moving? Is the flow flowing? Or have I contained it for my own comfort? Acts ten forty four. As he was saying these things about the redemption in Christ, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came... With Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. See, this is what we receive when we receive Christ in our hearts as the Holy Spirit comes. He brings newness of life. He brings power with him. We're going to look at that power this morning. Now I got this this image in my mind while I was I was. Preparing this message about a kettle on a stove. And I know I already talked about one kettle that had no water in it. Well, have you ever had a a kettle with like soup in it and you start boiling it? Then you go into a different room and then a few minutes later you hear, and you think it just boiled over. Great. You know, I think about this image and how much I don't want an overflow in pretty much area of my life. You know, I thought of it this way. We're kind of conditioned to control. We're conditioned to control the overflow. I mean, like, let's talk about a couple other things that you probably don't want overflowing. Your gas. I don't like it when my gas overflows. It kind of freaks me out. I think, I hope there's no sparks or sinks. I don't like it when my sink overflows. Maybe, like, your kids. I mean, you might want to contain them a little bit sometimes. Maybe not always, but... For you, maybe it's your kids. For me, it's my dog. I I don't want him to just be able to do whatever he wants because he's kind of crazy. I want to contain him. We want control. I think we're conditioned to control. And the problem is, you know, we have all these things that we want to control because there might be a disadvantageous outcome if we don't control them. But with God, it's just the opposite. There is only advantage when you let him overflow. And so if we approach God the same way we approach everything else, we're going to limit him in our life. If we contain and try to control his overflow, all we're doing is limiting his ability, his power, his newness of life moving through us, moving out of us. I think sometimes we want control, but really with God, what we need to do is release the control. We talked about that just last week with the strength Right? The, the moment that God's strength can come the greatest is when we let go and we say, Lord, I'm weak. I need this to be you, not me. This is how it works with God. When we allow him to do what he wants to do, when we don't control and limit, he's able to flow freely, flow powerfully. You know, the Holy Spirit is unlike any of these things we previously mentioned. In that an overflow of His presence in your life has no disadvantage. You know, rather than looking at the Holy Spirit in our life as like a pot that's going to bubble up and then spill over and that's the overflow. I think we ought to be looking at Him like a geyser. Holy Spirit's like a geyser, not a kettle. It it doesn't just... I mean when a geyser blows, it, it's like I was talking about earlier. It deposits nutrients and sediment, things that the earth needs around it. I mean, think about Yellowstone. That has geysers there and it's one of the most beautiful places in America. It's it's because it brings life. And you know what? We can't limit it. I, I can't go out there with a lid and stick it on, I can't stick it on old faithful. Old faithful's doing a blow. I I can't walk out to Yellowstone and turn down the dial on the stove so that the geyser doesn't explode. That's how it ought to be in our life with the Holy Spirit. I I took the dial off. I don't have a dial to turn down anymore. I can't turn my heat down. I can't turn my passion for God down. I'm on fire and it's bursting out of me. I have an overflow because I've got the Holy Spirit flowing out of me. Out of me, not just in me, but out of me I don't have a lid to put on I don't have a control to turn down All I have is the Holy Spirit Flowing freely The Holy Spirit overflow Is the most advantageous Force on earth Say that again, the Holy Spirit Overflow is the most advantageous Force on earth There is nothing More powerful than the Holy Spirit overflowing in your life Money doesn't measure up pa- power of man, control and manipulation of life doesn't measure up. let's take a look at the Holy Spirit coming upon someone in an overflow and what it allowed them to do Judges 14 five through six. This is one of the stories of Samson and Samson did some incredible things, and it was because the Holy Spirit came upon him as he was anointed as a judge over Israel. this is what Verse 5 says, As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. That's a scary situation. I don't care how much money you have. If a lion comes running at you, you're in trouble. Unless you have the Holy Spirit overflowing. Let's keep reading. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. I mean, are you visualizing this? I mean, anyone who says the Bible's not exciting is a liar. Or they just haven't read it. I mean, I've said it before. This is what Hollywood should make movies about. Like, if they would just make movies about the Bible and do it accurately, I mean, it'd be a bestseller. It'd be a hit. The Bible's incredible. What, what happens when God's power is in your life. He ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. We're not going to go into him keeping secrets from his parents this morning. That's another sermon. But what we are going to talk about is how God's power came upon him. He had an overflow of the Holy Spirit in his life. And what it allowed him to do is something impossible for man. God's power in your life enables you to do things you would never be able to do on your own. And you know what? The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. It's the same Holy Spirit that we have indwelling in us today that came upon Samson all those years ago. That same person who comes powerfully. That same river of living water that allows you to live the abundant life Christ made available. It's the same one that's in you right now. And so what it comes down to for you and me is not trying to control or contain him from flowing out of our life. I mean, can you imagine if Samson had tried to control the Holy Spirit? He said, no, I'm going to deal with this lion myself. If I get in trouble, I'll call you. That's ridiculous. But I feel like I've done that. I've said, no, Holy Spirit, I'm going to handle this one. And if I get in trouble, I'll call. I- I'm going to go handle this myself. But if I need you, I'll be praying. I'll say, Holy Spirit, I messed up. Come save me. Praise God he's faithful. But you know what? It's such a better life if we just refuse to limit. If we refuse to contain. If we let the river of living water flow out of us, we're going to see the power of God flowing out of us. So the question I ask is this. Have I made the river a reservoir? Have I put a lid on? Have I controlled? Have I turned down the heat so that the Holy Spirit can't overflow? So that the, the overflow isn't happening. Why might I contain? Why might I be containing the Holy Spirit? You know I was really challenged with this question. I've heard this on the inside. Why do you contain? I wrote down a few things that are true for me, and and yours may be different. They may be some of the same. I think one of the reasons I've tried to control the Holy Spirit at times in my life is because I had a plan. I had a way of doing it. I had an expectation that I already set. And so I want this, so I'm going to go get it. My way is taking the priority, so I want to control this so I can get what I want. I mean, That's really what the statement would come down to. I want what I want, so I'm going to control it to get what I want. We don't ever do that, right? I want what I want, so I'm going to control it. doesn't work like that with God. That's, that's what trust, faith is. God, I know you have a good plan for me. And so I receive it. Holy Spirit, move. I don't know where the river might be going ahead, but I know it's good. I might not know where it's going, but I know it's good. I think sometimes appearance can be something that we may cause to... Limit we make control because we want an appearance. Oh, I don't know what it's going to look like if I do that I don't know what it's going to be like if I raise my hands I don't know what it's going to be like if I pray in tongues I don't know what it's going to be like if I step out and ask that person if they need healing and I know the healer so I can Let God's power move through me to heal them I don't know what it's going to look like What if it damages my image damages my appearance damages my reputation I'm just being real with you this morning. These are things I've thought. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you have. I think another one is this, the comfort zone. I think this can be a factor that we allow to control us. I'm not comfortable with that. Yes, I feel like I'm supposed to do it, but I'm not comfortable with that. My family doesn't do that. We we don't come from that kind of church. We don't come from that kind of place. We, we, We don't do that. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with this happening right now. Or maybe it's doubt. This is the last one I want to express this morning. But doubt is something that I know I allowed to limit me for a long time. Doubting the leading so I just didn't do anything. The Holy Spirit's our God. He leads us. But if I doubt it to the point where I just won't do anything, then I've made it ineffective. I've controlled the Spirit. I've turned the heat down, put the lid on, and said, we're just going to let it simmer. We'll save that for Sunday. We'll we'll come back to that when I need it later. Doubting the power of God. Just don't know if he'll do it, so I'm more comfortable just leaving it alone. You know, I'll kind of go back now to the leading and talk a little bit more about that, because I feel like I'm supposed to. I know for me there, there was a point in time where I was familiar with God's voice but I doubted it in a time where a big decision came. And I don't know if this is for somebody this morning but God's voice isn't going to change just because your situation changed. So just as you've trusted God and he's been faithful to you in the past trust his voice now. His voice doesn't change just because your situation changed. I found myself saying this one time. I know I'm supposed to do it. I know God is saying yes, but I want the yes to be as loud as the situation is. I want the level of yes to match my concern about this problem. It's all the same to Him, it's all tiny to Him. He holds the world in the palm of His hand. That means anything we're facing in this life, it's all tiny. So God doesn't have to come out and and make himself feel confident by saying, yes, this is the way. It's the still small voice. It's the inward witness. The same way he leads you in everyday life is the same way he's going to lead you when a big moment comes. So I don't need something bigger to trust that it's still God. Doubt will cause us to limit God in our life. So what does it look like? Let's talk about just a few of the things that it looks like for the Holy Spirit to be flowing out of our heart. And I'm not going to turn to all of these. Some of them we've talked about already today and some we've talked about recently. Tongues is one that we see very often in Scripture. Acts 2, Acts 10. We read that just a little bit ago. And 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Let's actually go there. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. I didn't give... Sean, this scripture, so it might take him a minute to get up. That's okay. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, Paul writes, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. Paul doesn't limit his prayer language in the Holy Spirit because he's uncomfortable. Because he doesn't control it. He's not thinking about it. I think that freaks some people out Because there's no control When you start praying in the Holy Spirit Yes you control your mouth I don't want somebody to take this out of context And say oh God grabs your tongue And makes your mouth move No he doesn't You move the mouth But what you're praying out you don't know It's a mystery It's unknown to your mind But your spirit is praying And sometimes you will understand Sometimes you you will know What it is your spirit's praying out Sometimes you won't Just because I'm uncomfortable with that, just because I don't have control over it, doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. What the Holy Spirit flowing through your life looks like is prayer in other tongues. It's being in a moment of prayer and shutting your mind off and just praying out of your spirit. It's being in a moment of worship and not singing the lyrics we've been singing, but praying out what's in your spirit. Singing out what's in your spirit. This is the Spirit flowing through our life. Power. Obviously something we see, uh, we read in Judges 14 with Samson. Holy Spirit came upon him. There was a tremendous power to change a a natural situation. Believer, friend, we're supposed to have power in our life. The dunamis, dynamite, earth-changing, earth-shaking kind of power. I want that sort of life. I want that river flowing in me. I want the river that changes the landscape. I don't want my life to look like everybody else's. I want a river that changes it, that has power. Strengthening. I'll just summarize Ephesians 3.16. We read this last week. It says, strengthened and energized with power by his spirit. We are given strength and energy in the spirit. This is what life with the Holy Spirit flowing out of us. The living water. This is what that life looks like. Let's go to Romans 8.14. We talked about this a few weeks back. We were talking about hearing the Holy Spirit being led and guided. Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Having the Spirit flowing in your life looks like being led. It looks like Hearing from God about things, small things and big things. You know, I, I've, I've preached this in other messages, and I think it was like I'm the instrument part four or five, if you want to go back and listen more on this subject. But to just summarize it real quick, you know, we have the inward witness, we have an inward voice, and the Holy Spirit has a voice. When we're listening for Him, it's just what we were talking about a minute ago His voice can lead us through a big situation or a small situation. And, and it's a problem if we only listen when the situation's really big, because then we're going to be uncertain about what he sounds like. Mm-hmm. If I only called my parents when I needed something, I wouldn't know their voice that well. I, I don't know if I would pick up when they were saying yes or no. You know, people kind of have a way of saying things. Do you notice that? Some people, like, you can tell they're saying yes, or they're really, like, in a nice way trying to say no. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know if that's right for us. Okay You get to know somebody By spending time talking to them And that's true with the Holy Spirit When He's flowing in your life You're going to know His voice Because you've talked to Him You've heard Him Let's move on to, to the next one I've got two more here That life with the, the flow What it looks like Galatians 5.22 and 23 we, We've read this verse before The fruit of the Spirit man. you should have the fruit in your life If the river's flowing because, the, look, if I go to a river, I expect to see water. I expect to see, you know, sand or stones or whatever else goes along with it. Like, there's some things I expect to see when I show up at a river. Well, when I'm living with the Holy Spirit in my life, there's some things I expect to see flowing out of me. A life full of the Spirit, full of living water, flowing unhindered and uncontrolled. Looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, long suffering. I'm I'm summarizing because we're waiting on the screen, but we have fruit of the spirit that's present. When I have the river flowing, I expect to see the river. And this is what the river looks like. Gentleness, self-control against the law. No, there's no law against these things. Okay. The final one, and we're not going to turn there because it's a whole chapter, but in first Corinthians twelve, we see the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. Things like miracles, healing, things like prophecy, words of wisdom and knowledge. You know, these are, these are things that aren't just supposed to be Pastor Isaac does that. We all have the gift of the Spirit in us, and so we all ought to see the gifts of the Spirit flowing out of us. And we need everybody. Because I don't have them all. <laughs> but we want them all in church, Amen. This is where I was talking about when we get together, oh boy, we ought to to see a river. We ought to see the water moving. And it's because we're all here with all the gifts joined together in one moving, one motion, because one spirit moves one way, and it's a glorious thing because it changes things. There's power when the river comes together. I mean, we could could talk about the natural thing we see with that. When you see a bunch of little streams and creeks and rivers all come together, it makes a big river. In the Mississippi, it's a a conjoinment of a bunch of little rivers. I'm a little river. You're a little river. But together, we're a big river. Hallelujah. Together, we're the river of the Holy Spirit. And we flow in a powerful way. We don't want to limit or contain God's flow. The natural thing for water is for it to flow. The natural thing for a believer is for the Spirit to flow. You know, you expect water to flow. You expect to see water move. I expect the Spirit to move. I expect to see the Spirit moving through me and through you. This is what's natural for the life of a believer. And I think there's been a disservice that some people would say, some churches... Some beliefs, some denominations maybe would say it's not normal. It's not natural. And because people believe that, now I, I try to control it. I try to hinder it. I try to tone it down because people aren't comfortable. It's, it's not normal. But it's the most natural thing there is. Normal and natural don't have to be the same. What's natural for me as a believer is not going to be what's normal in the world. But I want to see a life where it's normal for the Holy Spirit to be flowing through me. I don't want it hindered or controlled. My normal ought to be a life where the natural thing happens. Where the Spirit flows freely. He's in you, which means He's meant to flow out of you. Isaiah 44 verse 3. It says, for I will pour, this is a prophetic word from God, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing upon your offspring. You know, that pour, I, I studied the Hebrew word for this pour, and it means to totally dump out. You know, we think about pouring, maybe it's like, I've got a little water can that I use to water plants, and it's, it's just a little bit. You know, I'm pouring. That's not the kind of pour we're talking about here. We are talking about the floodgate opens up and it pours. You know, when it rains, there's a difference between, oh yeah, it's sprinkling outside and it's pouring. There's a difference between a sprinkle and a pour. And God's intent is that the Holy Spirit would be poured out through us. Jesus lived and set an example for our life. And you know what poured out of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. The power of God manifests on the earth. It's supposed to be that way for you and I. We're the body. We're Christ's body on the earth, so we ought to be the place the Spirit pours out of. You know, I've had this misconception at times where I think, God, would you just pour yourself out in this place? And then I look up. I'm like, why isn't it pouring? But the problem is it's not supposed to pour from up there. It's supposed to pour from here. It's supposed to pour from here. In you. In me. That's where the pour comes from. This is where the water's at. This is where the water's at. The water isn't up in the ceiling. Up in the insulation. We don't have a sprinkler system. The water comes from the inside of us because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because he's in you, he comes out of you. We carry him into the world around us. The overflow is meant to come through you. And in order for that to happen, we got to take that control off. I got to take the lid off. I got to turn the temperature up. And I got to let it bubble over. I got to let the overflow happen. You know, you can't have the overflow without the flow. Kind of going back to where we started today. You can't have a pot boiling over with soup if you don't have any soup in it. You've got to have the Holy Spirit in you to start. If you've received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's come in you as a seal and begun to bring new life into you. Let me tell you something, though. There is a baptism, a total filling and immersion in the Holy Spirit that you can receive. And when that happens, it's going to be easy to overflow. You know, when you're full, it's easy to go over But when you're empty, it takes a lot to get you worked up. Does it take a lot to get you worked up? To get you to a point where you're ready to just rejoice in the Spirit? To get you to a point where you're ready to lift your hands and worship? To pray and speak out in tongues? To operate in a gift of the Spirit? How how much does it take to get you to go over? Because that's a pretty good indication of how full of the Spirit you are. If it takes a lot, if I gotta gotta be in a long church meeting and man, the worship's gotta be just right, and the preacher's gotta be preaching a really good message. Praise God, I try to preach good messages, everybody. I'm I'm led, okay? That's the secret. I'm led. If it takes a lot to get me to go over, then I need more in me. I need to ask and receive. Isn't that what we talked about last week? Ask and receive. That's where the strength comes. I don't work it up. I, I, I don't say, God, I, just, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. Look, if you ask, he's giving it. Yeah, right. It's a gift. He doesn't want to hold it back. He wants you to have it. Yes. So ask and receive. And then stir it up. Let the, let the heat, a passionate life for God, Make it overflow. Romans 12, 11, Scripture that speaks to that point. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I have it in, a, I think it's in the New King James translation I have here. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That word fervor would be like a derivative from fever. It means hot. It means burning. When you put water on something that's hot, it starts to bubble over. It starts to overflow. Geysers, I don't know everything about geysers, but I think heat is one of those elements in them that makes them blow. The heat, the pressure builds up and then they explode. There's heating that makes you overflow. Now, I I was thinking about this. We have a fervor in spirit that is necessary for the overflow to happen. And maybe you've noticed this in your own life. Maybe, maybe the times where you're overflowing in the Spirit, where you're built up and, and you're ready to receive, you're ready to pray, you feel like you could go lay hands and see someone healed, you're overflowing. You're, you're ready to see the Spirit move in your life. But if it's taken you a lot to get there, well, either you're, you're not full, or your temperature is really low. And what you may notice is sometimes when you come to church, it's really easy to get built up. It's really easy to enter into worship. It's easy to pray. It's easy to raise raise my hands. It's easy to get into the Word. It's because you're surrounded by the fervor. There's, There's people who are hot who are here. We're a hot body. And so when you show up and you're surrounded by the heat... It's easy for the overflow to happen. But then I go home. It shouldn't be like that. I should walk out that door hot and ready to overflow. And then I ought to keep going and just burst with the Holy Spirit. Flow out of me all week long. How does that happen? I have to be a geyser, not a pot. But you didn't ever think you'd hear that said in church. I have to be a geyser, not a pot. Because the geyser's heat comes from within. A pot's heat is dependent on an outside source. For a pot to get hot, it's got to get near heat. But for a geyser, it's on the inside. My spirit's what's hot. It's not just because they keep the church at 72 degrees on a Sunday. The heat comes from within, not from without. When you're stirred from without, at times you may find yourself without the overflow. The heat comes from within or from without. Without means outside, externally. So let me say this again. If you are stirred from without, if you're stirred from the outside without, you may find yourself without overflow. Because you might go into a cold place. You know there are some cold places in the world. I walk out those church doors... Maybe today it's like physically cold, but let me tell you, there are some spiritually cold climates outside those doors. There's some places I walk into and people just look at me weird for being a Christian. That's a spiritually cold climate. And if my overflow is dependent on an outside source, I'm not flowing. I'm I'm just going to keep it in here. I'm going to get through as fast as I can and, and try to get back to church on Sunday. But if the flow is from within, it's going to keep coming out. It'll continue to overflow. If I'm not trying to control it, and I have this heat on the inside, a fervor for God on the inside, I'll be overflowing all the time. So if we've got the overflow, if we have the heat from within and not from without, then what do we do with the overflow? Let's look at John fourteen twelve. To answer kind of this last question this morning, what do I do with the overflow? Jesus says, I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. What do I do with the overflow, the same overflow that Jesus Christ had when he was on earth? I do the works that he did, and even greater works, I let it flow. I let it flow. I let the Spirit use me. I let the Spirit build me. I let the Spirit get all over people because He's flowing out of me. It's a river of living water that I will not contain. I will not contain it. And He is not hindering it. If you've ever believed the lie that God's holding back the Holy Spirit from you, then you need to just rebuke that lie right now and say, that's not the truth. The Holy God wants this gift in me and coming out of me. It's not him that's holding it back. I'm the control. And so if I'm not seeing it flow, I either need to get filled up, I need to take the lid off, or I need to get hot. I need to get fervent and passionate about God. I need to let my spirit be built up. And you know the best way to do it is to start getting in the flow. To start praying in tongues. Building up my spirit man. You want to know how to get hot on the inside? Let it flow. Let it bubble over. You know I never thought that uh, when my mom, I was about six years old and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, I had the confirmation of that with the sign of speaking in other tongues. And I remember what she said is you're going to feel something bubbling up on the inside. You're going to feel something bubbling and you just got to let it let it out. And that's what it's like when you speak in tongues. You feel it bubbling on the inside. It's this flow that's moving in you. And I did not think I would ever preach the bubble up is coming. Which is why I didn't name this message that. (laughs) The flow is happening on the inside and what you gotta do is release it. Let go of the control. Let the heat rise and let it come out of you. It's a glorious life to be in the overflow. Amen. A few things as we finish out this morning. And I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close today. A few last thoughts to summarize. How I affect the flow. You've got to know first, the flow is a gift. The river of living water is a gift. The Holy Spirit that God gives freely. It's The, the gift being in you, the flow being in you, is not dependent on you. Other than asking and receiving. Kind of like the strength. Because it's the same Holy Spirit who strengthens you That brings this flow It's not about me Asking enough times It's about me asking and receiving And it comes Okay, So I don't affect it being in me But what I do is affect what happens once it's there I affect how it comes out Here are the things I can do To affect the overflow Keep the temperature up When my fervor and see When my passion for God is up The flow goes over second thing, take the lid off quit controlling I'm not scared and I'm not backing off when the Holy Spirit begins to move in me I, I'm not, I'm not going to feel and begin moving and say, whoa, 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 whoa I wasn't ready for that I'm getting back, you guys can come on up we need to jump in when we feel the river moving don't back up, go in dive in and then third, if I have the Spirit in my heart, know this, He wants to flow out. And I don't know if this is true for you, but I know I have, have I've spent time praying saying, God, flow. Pour yourself out. Pour yourself out. And what I heard in the Spirit this week is, I'm trying. Holy Spirit, saying, I'm trying to flow. I'm being controlled. I'm being contained. I'm being limited. So I believe this. If we'll take the limits off, let our hearts burn with a passion for God. We're going to see the overflow. Isn't that exciting? We're going to see an overflow of the presence of God's Holy Spirit, of His power. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit, this gift that empowers us leads us builds our spirit up your spirit changes things in the world your spirit brings heaven to earth God we thank you that the Holy Spirit is in us it was sent he was sent we've received him We thank you, Holy Spirit, for making things new in our life. For taking away the old, washing it away, and bringing the new. We thank you for your fruit, which is so beneficial for our life. We thank you for your gifts, which are so miraculous. Holy Spirit, we want all of you. We want the whole river flowing in our life. And we don't want it limited. We want to take the limits off and receive a life of overflow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for dying, for making us right so that we could be the temple which the Holy Spirit lives in. And thank you, Father God, for planning, for orchestrating, for sending your Son Thank you, God, for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your blessing, and for your spirit. We receive it today. And if you agree with me this morning, church, then I'd invite you to pray this. I'm going to pray that we would step into the river. and More importantly, let it flow out of us. That As we show up at church, we show up ready for the move. And as we go from church, we're ready for the move. That at all times, the Holy Spirit would be moving in my life. That I would not hinder or back off or turn the temperature down if I'm surprised. God, we know that you are good. And so this morning, if you agree with me, pray this out. Holy Spirit, I ask to be filled And because I'm filled, I pray that I would overflow with your power, with your presence, that it would change the landscape, that it would change my direction, that I would be moved into your plan, into the glorious future that you have ahead. I move with you, Holy Spirit. Overflow out of me. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but I am built up. I am fired up. I'm ready for overflow. Are you ready for overflow? got a river of life